Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Hunter Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, and it is uh, a little bit of Black Monday. ETSU not in the championship game for the first time under Steve Forbes as they ran into a buzzsaw, and it's been the buzzsaw that has dominated the Southern Conference, the Wofford Terriers, and Fletcher McGee, Cam Jackson did not disappoint. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure they missed a shot there for a while, but combined for, I think it was 46 points, and... Mike, uh, sidekick Mike Gallagher, joining me. Uh, certainly, it seemed like every time ETSU tried to make a run, Fletcher McGee had the answer. He was lights out. I mean, there's days where he's unstoppable. Uh, there's days where you can't game plan enough to make sure that he doesn't get the ball. Steve Forbes said a post game. We'll hear from him second segment today that they have so many different ways to work what I think is the best shooter in the history of the NCAA, and he's about to get that distinction. Uh, I think he left yesterday four three short or uh, something like that of, of breaking the all-time record. I think it's 504, and he hit 500, I believe, on the four-point play that was ultimately the dagger, and he missed the free throw, which is funny enough. You mentioned it as well in the broadcast. He always seems to miss a free throw, but it did not matter because he and Cam Jackson went 19 for 26 combined from the field. I mean, heck, they didn't miss for a while, you said. They barely missed all day. I mean, Fletcher McGee has... The uncanny ability, and I don't really even know how you practice for doing this type of thing in a game. You can't really, right? You just got to go in the gym and practice on your own and then try and take some stuff to the game and hope it works out the way that it does for Fletcher McGee. Repetitions and doing it for so long has made him so good at catching, and you've talked about it before, catching the ball facing the sideline and without taking a step, a dribble, elevating, turning, and firing from like 28 feet. He did it a couple times yesterday from the top of the key, I noticed. Uh, He made a couple of shots inside the arc as well. You were flabbergasted when he missed a wide-open look late in the game that could have uh, put another dagger home, really, because he he made plenty of those daggers. But uh, just an unbelievable performance from him. 26 points, three rebounds, two assists. I mean, 60% from the field is what Wofford shot. And when you fill it up like that, it's going to be tough for any team to keep up. Well, they, I, I think they're th- 13th in the country in field goal percentage as a team. And that's only down because they had a little bit of a rough start to the season. Um, I would venture to say, if you could just look at the last 20 games or so, they probably, uh, if not lead the nation, maybe top two or three. And so it's amazing to see how well they shoot it and it, it it's interesting because it's pretty much a layup a dunk or a three ninth yeah. in the in the nation by the way uh 494 49.4 oh my goodness it's yeah. just it's ninth incredible in so top 10 in the nation and again they got off to a slow start this season and so uh, it's amazing to see but they have so many different shooters that if you just give them and, and besides fletcher you give open looks to hoover and murphy and a couple others they can knock down the three then inside, you know, Cam Jackson, Alume, Pegram, they're all a good one who hadn't scored the first two games versus ETSU, comes up with six big points, three for three from the field, and, and he was able to take advantage of putbacks. I think second-chance points were awfully big for Wofford. And ETSU had their chances. I, I, you know, they just they just didn't knock down the shots. And Wofford, when they have a chance to bury you or they got a chance to stop a run or extend a lead, they do that, and they've done it all season. It's been impressive, really, to watch. And – you know, they're going to play in the championship game tonight versus UNCG, and they've throttled them by a combined 59 points in the two games. And, and so, um, you know, they do a great job of breaking the press and knocking down threes, and UNCG has to get out of it. And UNCG doesn't have an answer because other than James Dickey, you know, Galloway and, you know, uh, Hamilton, I'm not real sure any one of those guys can, can handle the post play. 
and then when you try to help out on the shooters, they're just getting layups. I mean, and so uh, it'll be incredible to see. You know, for the league, it's still good if UNCG can win because you can get two teams in. I know a lot of Buck fans just can't pull for UNCG, and and I get that. I totally understand that there's been a little bit of a, a rivalry brewing there, but uh, it, it's going to be awfully tough unless McGee is having an off day. I think it's going to be awfully tough for anybody to stop Wofford and then need to, in Southern Conference probably is just going to get one in because Furman losing in that semifinal game probably takes any consideration that Furman had in that large. And the bad news for the NIT, and we'll get this later with Steve Forbes maybe, but uh, the problem for the NIT is now Furman's probably looking at an NIT and then Greensboro metrics-wise is ahead of ETSU there's no way three teams are getting in the NIT from Southern Conference. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So uh, I think ETSU is going to be playing in the other um, games, the CIT and then the CBI, one of those, they'll be able to figure it out. You know, I thought there were so many things late where ETSU had a chance to cut the lead to three, four, you know, just get a little bit closer and try and get over that last mountain to try and tie the game and, and really, if not tie, at least get it within one possession to have the chance to tie. Um, and you can r- remind uh, fans of these as well, but uh, it seemed like when the Bucks would get it to four, for instance, with 8.43 left, you had Isaiah Tisdale on the fast break, make a three. Then there was the timeout, and right out of it, Fletcher McGee hits a three. And then it's down to six a couple of times, but then it was McGee hitting a three after Cameron Jackson scored inside. Bo Hodges splitting up those buckets, but it was at six a couple of times there, got it back up to nine. And then it was 12 because Nathan Hoover made a three uh, with 6.13 to go about 20 seconds later after Davian Williamson turned it over. They hit you so quick and from so many different angles and with so many different players, and then you go a little bit later in the game, and it's a seven-point contest after Isaiah Tisdale makes a couple of free throws, uh, and then there's a a sequence there where Bo Hodges uh, turns it over after a a layup by Nathan Hoover that's missed. I think Hodges had it, and he took one dribble, and it was just knocked away from behind, and so then Wofford got it back, and Hoover made one at two, and then he got it to six again with 2.12 to go after Isaiah Tisdale makes a couple of free throws and uh, Fletcher McGee misses a three and then there's a, a missed th- free throw by Kive Alume. Uh, there's a free throw missed by Trey Boyd and then another uh, uh, misses a pair that could have cut it to four points so there were so many opportunities for the Bucks where they either had possession or at the line uh, where they were able to gather themselves out of a timeout and either there was an answer from Wofford or, and I don't know which one you thought was the biggest because there were plenty to choose from, there was either the answer from Wofford or the Bucks shot themselves in the foot. Well, it, probably a little both, but here's the deal. Eventually, a team shooting 67%, I mean, you can look at it a couple different ways. Did, could you not get a stop or can they not miss? And it just felt like other than one or two shots, each issue defensively was kind of there. You know, the only time I remember – uh, there being a wide-open look for McGee was when the score was six. ETSU went to the one-three-one, and it was miscommunication, and they left McGee open in the corner for three. Three of the guys were at half court before he was out of his It was unbelievable. Yeah. As soon as it left, as soon as they saw him get the ball, they turned, ran the other way, didn't even see him shoot it, three fingers in the air. I've never seen anything like it. It, it. it really, the first time in my life I was a little, you know, every once in a while in a college game something happens, you're like, oh, that's a new one. But generally it's like a freak play or a, a call or a, a ball bounces weird. Not generally they throw it to him, and as everyone sees he's wide open, you just turn and go the other end of the floor. I mean, it's incredible. But I thought that was one of the biggest, because then they turn around and turn it over, and then Hoover hits the three, goes six to 12. 12, yeah. And, and I, In a span of like 20 seconds. But I I think you credit Wofford, because every time ETSU was trying to make it interesting, either ETSU didn't score, Wofford got a steal, but Wofford had every shot. Every time they needed to stump the momentum, and I think there was a quote uh, McGee said in the back afterwards that basically said, I live for those shots. When a team's mm. making a run and coach draws up a play for me, and I can stop the run. And basically just saying if I could just rip their hearts out. And he I mean, did it he over and over and way. over again. But yeah. every time it happened, he just very confidently hit a shot. He's playing at such a high level. I'll say this. It got to the point where a couple NBA scouts uh, from the Wizards and from the Cavaliers were sitting near me. And the first day they were like, eh. And then after yesterday, they kind of looked at me and went, I didn't realize he was that good. Yeah. And now they of, understand. And I'm, and I'm looking at him going, I, I, I get that 
you know, maybe the way the game has changed, his size is a little bit – he's still 6'3", so his size is a little bit different depending on what he's going to play. But, I mean, he's hitting shots that are incredible, that are definitely professional shots. I mean, he he's a pro shooter. Uh, he hits not just open shots. He doesn't miss really open shots. But the tough – the shot clock winding down, hand in his face. There were a couple beyond the NBA – uh, oh. arc that he's knocking yeah. down. I Four mean, or five feet outside the three, it was unbelievable. I mean, if he can't get on a, uh, you know, and the truth is for him, a G League roster spot isn't good because he can make more money overseas. Yes. So he's either going to get a shot or he's going to make some significant change overseas. But I think you credit Wofford and them hitting the shots. Obviously, the six points that you talked about big earlier in the second half, then you went down late to three minutes left where Isaiah Tisdale hit the three free throws and you had the miss layup by Hoover, the rebound by Hodges, then the steal by Hoover where the Bucks had a chance to cut it to five or four, and then the two missed free throws for Trey Boyd. Which of those did you think was bigger? Obviously, free throws is not something that the Bucks. it's been something all year where they've struggled. I didn't think yesterday, as a matter of fact, I thought it was flip. Wofford had an atrocious day at the line. That was the one area where they really did struggle, and I think – Honestly, in my opinion, one of the things that kept it close, because I think they went like 6 for 17 or something like that. I'm not looking exactly at the box score right now, uh, but they were yeah, 7 of 18. So uh, a bad day for them at the line. And while free throws may not have cost the Bucks on their side, a lot of the day, when it came down to cutting the lead to 4, yeah, it was like a minute and a half to go. Right? Exactly. Trey Boyd missed two. So I don't know what you thought was bigger, either Hodges getting the rebound, having it stolen right away, or Boyd missing the pair. <sighs> You know the the, oh, I mean both equally as big I, and may maybe that's tough. I don't know. Maybe the two free throws Boyd is a little more unexpected. I think because he's he's been a good free throw shooter. He's obviously a talented shooter. There's 127 that, to go and Boyd missed those. It would have been four. Four and and you don't know because Wofford's been having a little bit of issue. Um, I think anytime you can get get it to four, I, I'm going to go with the Trey Boyd. But those are tough. I mean. Splitting hairs probably on which one. Because I mean, 248 even, was left on the clock when uh, that steal happened. But I can Hodges. even think of a different time where they were, yeah. and you mentioned earlier when it was a six-point game, and I think uh, Williamson had the ball knocked away from right. him, and yep. then they come. So there's a couple different times, I think, ETSU again just right there and, and either turnover, miss shot, something. And that was the way. tough part is, like, they shot the ball so well did Wofford, and they clearly on offense were the better team, right? I mean, I didn't think there was a question about that, and they're better – than I'd say 99% of Division One teams in the country offensively. So it's not denigrating ETSU. It's just the fact that they are that good, have so many shot makers and can do it inside and play pretty decent defense, I thought, too. Um, for most of the year, they can win that 59-54 game that they did against Furman, but then they can turn around and win in an 81-72 race to 80 against ETSU like they did in the semifinal. I look at how things unfolded, and I'm just frustrated because the Bucks did have their chances. You know, it wasn't like you got run out of the gym, and you didn't get run out of the gym either other time against Wofford. You went to overtime. Bo Hodges hit a three, and yes, Wofford had a chance to win it at the buzzer in regulation, didn't get it, then went to overtime, and obviously Fletcher McGee had that four-point play. Of course, you'd like that back if you're ETSU's defense, but didn't hit the free throw. So then you were down three, and you had a chance to, or pardon me, you were down two at that point, and you end up losing by two. And then in the first game, it's a six-point game with three minutes left, and then, of course, Steve Forbes gets thrown out on a no-call on one end, and Bo Hodges, and McGee hits the three on the other end. But you were in every single game against the number 22 team in the country, and that game was there for the taking, and the Bucks just couldn't snatch it. And you're right. Wofford makes you pay for everything you do wrong. Every single time, it seems like, when they're on their game. And with Fletcher McGee thriving the way he does, I don't know what you have to do in practice to be as confident as he is. I mean, when I was at the Wofford game for the women, uh, like 9 a.m., it was education day, went down there with the women's team. Fletcher McGee was in the gym already shooting, and he also had to shoot around later that day. And here was a game night as well. So he's in there a ton. We understand that. But when your teammates are running the other way with three fingers in the air before it's even out of your hand, that is supreme confidence. And I think that everyone around him feeds off that confidence as well. That's why, to me, that's why Murphy and Hoover are as good as they are. Could they still be decent players? Okay, sure. But those are not standout type guys, I don't think, on any other team where as third and fourth options on Wofford, I think they look at Fletcher McGee and they're like, this guy believes that he can do anything. 
I'm going to believe he can do anything, and that makes me believe that I can do anything because we got Cam Jackson down low and him outside. There's going to be attention brought to them, so I'm going to be the one that's going to step up. So they take advantage of those opportunities. I thought I, a great day for Davian Williams and Milad and Armas. Those were my two standouts for the Bucs. Yeah, I, I think, again, it's a it's a tough matchup because Cam Jackson's just so – so. I mean, nine, think about that. The two, two of the three seniors, the other senior for them was, was Matthew Pegram, but you look at Jackson and McGee, 19 of 26 yeah. from the floor – uh, unbelievable numbers there, and that's what they're going to miss. And I know Hoover's going to get more shots, and he's had a 30-point game. He can score in the 20s. And I think I talked to um, uh, their play-by-play and color guy, Wofford, and, and Jim Noble and uh, Tom, and, and those guys were saying they've been lucky all year because either Hoover or McGee's been on. They've never been off at the same time. If one guy's had slightly a bad game, or a bad game, the other guys picked up the slack, and they said, and of course, if they both did, it's ridiculous. Like you can just you can just book it, right? And, and you got to believe that. But it, you can't double team. I think that's the big thing. Like everyone's, like, oh, I want you to double team Cam Jackson's wearing that. Well, what do you do? Who do you leave open? Storm Murphy can shoot it. Nathan Hoover can shoot it. You can't leave McGee. And even when you try to double team another big, Kiva Luma's good enough to to score underneath the hoop if he gets the ball. So uh, they execute very well. They do a lot of things great. You can see how they put it all together. This rem- the ETSU team right now looking at results remind me a lot of what Wofford was last year. They just return everybody. They got key pieces, good enough pieces. Next year they'll have, you know, Cam Jackson missed six, seven games last year for him. You know, Bo Hodges missed some games, you know, if you want to look at it that way. There was some nagging injuries uh, uh, with Storm Murphy. Well, Patrick Good's got some nagging injuries. I mean, you're looking at getting an extra shooter and a healthy shooter next year, we assume, in Patrick Good. You look at Trey Boyd. They're obviously going to add one or two more players to this team. You look at Rodriguez and Armas, another year to grow down low. Goussaint, you know, then the uh, Corley's added 25 pounds, another guy that can play inside down low. I mean, you're looking at a lot of different pieces. Williamson's only going to continue to grow. And I think he could be a superstar in the league. I really do. He does a lot of things. And 17 points on seven shots the, yesterday. The more confident he gets is just yeah. – so there's a lot of things going on. I think the, the future's bright. I think these postseason tournaments will maybe give Coach Forbes time to work on a few other things, you know, because that's what you should use. It's like a bowl game in football. It's what you should do. You should be able to work on some things, do some things, different sets, see what's going on, uh, test to – live game situation right instead of just doing a practice gym but future looks bright for ETSU I really feel like it's a you know they're exactly in the Wofford spot last year going into the, the, the next season let me ask you one thing before we get to Steve Forbes in our next segment did you think at all ETSU got caught up in the way that Wofford plays you look at the number of threes they took 27 that was the most in the last 14 games and they're not a bad three-point shooting team but Middle of the league, and obviously Wofford ran away with that crown. They were like five percentage points ahead of everyone else, like 42% to 37%. Bucks are 36%. But did you think at all that ETSU is trying to play Wofford style and just not able to do so as well as Wofford can? I think the one issue was when they started to pound the ball inside and they had a little bit of success. First couple buckets, I think, were from Aladdin Armas. Yeah. Then the struggles inside the paint. Rodriguez, one of seven. Bo Hodges kept going the rim, not scoring. 38-22 paint points I, in favor I, of Wofford. I, I, I think when that happens, no matter what what happens in your head, you're like, oh, we're not scoring in there. And, mm. and, and so I think that changes uh, a mentality. And then also I think when you're down eight, nine points, it just says shoot to three. So I think two things play into that. I think normally 27 threes – probably too much and the Bucks didn't shoot bad out there I mean 37 no, percent pretty makes, good yeah no doubt but I I think normally if you talk to coach Forbes I think he's more of maybe in the um 15 to 20 max range sure. I think he would like to live around that 15 16 17 and get 10 extra shots inside the paint because they're been much better from two and you look at the field goal percentages I think ETSU uh, only trailed um, in league play only trailed Wofford in, in field goal percentage and that's mainly because they were so efficient from the two-point two, area. Right. So so I think that that's the biggest issue uh, that, that played into it. I think mentally two things. One, uh, just the fact they weren't able to score down low, and then I think the score kind of pushes the situation where you think you need to take more. And the fact that Wofford is a team across from you and can put up that amount of points with the shooters that they can, I'm sure that's part of a mental game as well.
Absolutely. Totally agree. Let's hear from Steve Forbes after this time out. We're from Santa's sidekick on Buckingham's Horse Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning and you're a half hour late to work. Uh, come on. But good things come from multiplying too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead, enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Sandos and the sidekick back with you on this Monday, and this will be our only show this week, mainly because we don't really know what's going on. We don't know uh, when to turn, you know, you just would have won. We could have pretty much given you a tournament update to try to guess on seeding and give you daily updates on that. Not winning the tournament, not knowing if it's NIT, the CBI, CIT, any of those. It's just there's really nothing to talk about. It's very tough. Our radio season is from football to basketball, right? It's those six, seven months. And so when you're kind of in that holding pattern, that waiting period, uh, purgatory at this point, (laughs) then, yeah, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. So we can speculate all we want, but you can only speculate so much. I think we'll leave the speculation to today and then figure something else out for next week. I'm not sure when the CIT or CBI tournaments are announced, or the NIT for that matter. I know NIT is maybe a bit quicker than the other ones. Late late Sunday. Now, we'll say this. The CIT and, and CBI... Can they can announce some teams early because those teams pretty much know they're not going to be in the NIT or they're not qual, you know, so that they may announce some teams earlier, right? Uh, ahead of that, so basically a third and fourth place team of some leagues, which you know, just you can look at your own net and go, okay, sure, uh, we're outside the top hundred of everything, so let's go ahead and play in this. So, but teams, let's just use Belmont, you know, ETSU yeah. is a good example, Furman. You know, there's a shot net rankings that Lipscomb. they, they, Lipscomb's a great one. They uh, well, Lipscomb's already going to be in the NIT, right? Because they they were technically the one seed. Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah so they're right. so they're already right. in. Uh, uh, but if they weren't, which right. I think Belmont was the one as well. Yes, correct. Yeah, so yep. you're so those I use two great examples that shouldn't matter, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, but I think if you look at 
Uh, Missouri Valley is a good one because there was a lot of upsets in there, yeah. you know, depending on. Loyola went down, Drake went down. So, uh, you know, Loyola was the one, right? Yep. So they're going to be in. But Drake is a great team. They're like, okay, they're not going to get in the NIT. They probably can go ahead right. and book a trip to the CIT. Terrible CBI conference, like second, yeah. Uh, you know, Big South, could Radford get in the, the, the CIT, the CBI? You know, they were the two seed. Uh, clearly, Campbell's going to be the one seed. I mean, think about that. How many one seeds have already lost to, to book Crazy. NITs? That takes at large as out of play, and it's it's just not a good sign uh, for you know multiple Southern Conference teams. I think they'll get one, but I, I think that'll probably be it. Let's head to head coach Steve Forbes yesterday after the game. You were joined by Jason Schaefer probably – 10 or so minutes. Steve Forbes is obviously fulfilling his media obligations with the conference back in the media room. You were able to chat with him for, I'd say, four or five minutes. Didn't do the long, drawn-out, let's go over the entire season because we've still got at least one more game to play, whether it be in the CIT, CBI, or NIT. But Coach Forbes did stop by and recap the game. I'm very proud of my team. I thought they played extremely hard. They fought. They never gave in. They took some massive blows from Fletcher McGee but kept battling. We just weren't quite good enough. And that's what I told them after the game. You know, we had a really good year, but we weren't special. And to be special, we've got to improve on some things going forward. You know, and all of us do, coaches and, and players. And just because you have everybody coming back doesn't mean that you're going to be here again. You've got to get better. And, and so that's going to be the, the, the mantra of us as we go forward. We've just got some things we got to get better at. You know, I thought that was absolutely 100% correct, and, and it was the feeling that I had, and I didn't want to believe this because we're blue and gold, right? We're not only on the podcast as an ETSU podcast, we're obviously paid by the place, but also our fans of the place. So you want to believe that your team is the best. You want to believe that your team has a chance to go and pull these upsets over Wofford and beat UNCG in the tournament. If it comes down to a third consecutive time, you meet them in the tournament final. But when all's said and done and the dust, dust has settled – I said going into the tournament, I thought the one through four seeds were ranked appropriately. You had Wofford, UNCG, Furman, and ETSU. And, of course, now we look at the one and two matchup tonight, and it is Wofford and UNCG. And I think that Coach Forbes is right. The team was very good, but it didn't feel special. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just those couple of areas that I'm sure that he's going to work on with his team over this practice period and going into whatever tournament they go into. Um Last year, to me, felt like the team was a bit more quote-unquote special or unique because they had those high flyers. They had the player of the year. Uh, They didn't have the takeover guy this year. I don't know. I I can go on and on about the reasons why it didn't feel special, but to me, it just didn't. I'm not sure why. Yeah, that's good. I I don't – It's great rebounding team, right? Great shooting team, very efficient. Like, they did a lot of things really well. There were a lot of – it was hard to know who's going to produce every night, which right. was tough for teams. Which but, can be good, but right? in, the, in the same token, late in the game, right? Like, right. And again, I think um, you know, you, if you look traditionally through ETSU, the only other team that maybe kind of shared the ball like that would have been some of the the glory teams. But they still had a couple guys you knew were going to get the ball late, right? You knew it was Greg Dennis was going to be some of the greatest Jennings, in program you know, history, right? Yeah, it was going to be that. They had seven, eight guys that could go for twenty a night. They still kind of knew who was going to be getting the ball last shot. I think ETSU still maybe didn't know. I mean, again, eight different players led in scoring, which is almost unheard of. Crazy. And seven different guys had over 20. Crazy. Seven different guys had over 20. You're right. The knife cuts I, both, both ways. I'll throw really you does. another one. Think about this. Kevon Tucker had a 10-point-plus game. So did DeAndre Bernard. Right. And DeAndre Bernard didn't play the last, like, however many games of the year. I mean, so you had ten guys that had scored in double figures. Right. Uh, and, and in Division One games. I'm not talking about in, in throwaway, uh, and I hate to say it that way, but, you know, non-D1 games. I mean, uh, I want to say, was it uh, Tucker had 11 against Winthrop or whatever it was in the first half. And then DeAndre Bernard had 10 against North Dakota State, right? He had 10 or 11 against uh, – because that was the game you did. I wasn't yeah. even there. Yep. So, so you're looking at um, – uh, guys that had scored, so ten guys in no favor. So I, I find that all interesting. I, I think it's it's good. Again, coming back, will they be able to, to figure out who's going to be what? I mean, it, it, it's tough to say that. But even look at it one step further. Next year, you got all these pieces coming back. What if I told you, even the year after that, you're still going to be able to start Davian Williamson, Patrick Good, Bo Hodges, Milad Normus, Octavian Corley, maybe at center if, if somebody else hasn't shown up. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that you can still have, you know, for not next year, but another year, you've got four starters for the next two years. Do you agree with this statement? 
this team would have been special if Patrick Good was healthy late. I think this would have been a whole different ball game, whole different conversation. I, absolutely, isn't it? absolutely. Because then you got Bo at one hundred percent, which he wasn't when Patrick was as good as he was those first, you know, however many games, and specifically maybe the middle portion of the season, I'd say, like games what uh, ten to twenty, whatever it would have been. Uh, you never had them both at the top of their game at the same time, and we know what Patrick Good can do. And goodness knows, over two years now. We are absolutely very aware of what Bo Hodges can do in every aspect of the game. So I think that the narrative flips completely. Uh, no, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think, and the other thing is, I think Bo Hodges late in the year kind of figured out what what his game is. Yeah, I, I think you know as a freshman he was just kind of a hey, where do you need me to fit in? You know, the first part of this year I thought he pressed a little bit to be the guy. You know, and then I thought late in the year he figured out what his game is and what how he can help the team win the most, which is be a great defender and then basically stuff the stat sheet and go go to the rim because who the heck's going to guard you? Right. He's only going to get better at that. And his three-point shooting will continue to get better as, as he grows because he's working on it. Here's more from Coach Forbes postgame. We're going to play in a tournament, uh, at some tournament. I don't think we probably have the numbers to be in the NIT. I think we're good enough to play in the NIT, but I just don't think we have the, the metrics to be in it. Last year, only three teams got an at-large bid out of the mid-majors in the NCAA tournament. Only four teams got at-large bids out of mid-major in the NIT, and I just don't think we'll probably reach that. So we'll pick one of those other tournaments if that's what it is, and and uh, we'll get better. And that's, you know, that's the whole key is just continue to play and, and, and get better. You're way more familiar with the fields and how they're laid out in the NIT, the CIT, and the CBI than I am. Can we get excited about a matchup coming up postseason with a bigger conference school in a CIT or CBI, or are those really restricted the, the, to the, the NIT? The, the bigger schools generally pass on right. those Right, that's kind of what I figured. They generally just go. Now, you could get, you know, some Conference USA. I mean, you can still get a Missouri Valley. You can still get some West Coast uh, teams can play in that. Um, you know, I think the year ETSU was in the semifinals, they lost to Iona. And then Iona played Santa Clara. And so, uh, you know, that that's pretty good. But generally speaking, they they, they don't go. I don't even, uh, you know, I don't think even the Big East or the American, and I could be wrong now, they, those have changed. But, you know, there's a lot of, lot of leagues that, that do participate in that, but there's probably the top seven do not. And so uh, the CBI and the CIT, they, they generally more that the true mid-major type uh, uh, teams. I'll go ahead and just read you the at-larges from the NIT last year. Baylor, Boise State, Boston College, BYU, Louisville, LSU Marquette, Mississippi State, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Oregon, Penn State, Stanford, St. Mary's, Temple, USC, Utah, Washington, Western Kentucky. So Western Kentucky, St. Mary's, uh, Boise State. Well, you don't really count Mountain West as a mid-major, though. Uh, that's, a, that's a multi-bid league, right? As I, oh, they're very, outside. I'll just say this: they're at least outside the top seven. So you, I mean, yes, yeah, so I'll give you that. Just like the A10 generally has multiple teams in. Um, where do you place the American? Because the American's one of those where it's kind of in between as well. You know, it, when when they're rocking and rolling, and you're talking about you know Houston's pretty good, Connecticut, Memphis. I mean, is it, I mean they got a lot of money. Uh, I would say generally they would be the seventh of the Big Seven, as they say. The Big East would be the sixth. And so the Power Fives, then you go Big East, then I would say the American after that. So the American, America East, the A-Sun, Big South, Big West, Horizon, Ivy, the MAAC, the MEAC, the NEC, the Southland and the Sun Belt, as well as, well, there are no bids in the A-10, the Big Sky, CAA, MAC, Missouri Valley, Ohio, Valley, Patriot Southern, SWAC, Summit, and WAC. So you look at what, the split was in terms of at-larges versus automatic bids, and a lot of those bids were automatic qualifiers last year in the NIT for those mid-major schools. But really, true mid-majors last year in terms of at-larges, St. Mary's uh, is pretty much it. And I guess Western Kentucky out of Conference USA. So those two, and then you had Temple, which American, whatever, you know, you want to talk about with them, and same with Mountain West and, and Boise State. Uh, last year in the... Uh, C, the College Insider postseason tournament, so the CIT, you had Louisiana Monroe, Liberty, Lamar, Hartford, so you know you can kind of go down the list there and see a lot of mid-majors. And then uh, in the CBI, uh, also you know more mid-majors. Mercer was, was in it last year, uh, Central Arkansas, uh, Canisius, Campbell, Jacksonville State. So 
that answers the question, really, I'd say. And it's to your point of a lot of, if not all, those power fives, those bigger schools are going to pass on those two tournaments. So I have my fingers crossed, at least, that the Bucks will get a chance in the NIT. Because Steve Forbes is right. They're good enough to be in the NIT. Uh, they are. It's, it's just, just a matter of what the NIT is looking uh, for in terms the, of outlaws. And the NIT is looking at uh, ticket sales. Right. And, they're looking at, and here's the funny part. When you watch a lot of those games, they're not selling out. Right. The big schools aren't aren't coming out to watch that. There are schools, Indiana says, uh, it was a couple years ago when they got in the NIT, they said, you will play on the road because our building is too good to host an NIT. Wow. Yes, you are, Indiana. Congratulations on not being on another NCAA tournament. One final one, Steve Forbes. This is the best atmosphere we've had in the semifinals since I've been here. Um, we've had a great crowd when we won it, and, and, you know, and, and, and when we won it in the finals that year, but – this year's semifinal crowd and the quarterfinal crowd last yesterday was tremendous. So uh, just a really impressive showing of our fans. I know they're disappointed. Uh, we're disappointed too, but, you know, stay with us because um, there's more to play. And we also have uh, a lot of guys returning that are, are hungry now and always been hungry, but now have that little chip on their shoulder about what it's going to take to maybe win one of these things. You were there. The atmosphere looked absolutely incredible. It looked like the building was honestly full from first row to last row, from deck one to the top of deck two. It looked absolutely unbelievable. The noise was great for a semifinal, too. And you looked around the country, and there have been, I believe, four bids now, and there will be like six more decided tomorrow, a couple decided tonight as well for uh, the automatic qualifiers to the NCAAs. But some of the finals that you saw um, – they didn't Even draw. on home floors. Yeah, they didn't Even draw on home floors. as well as a semifinal for the SoCon at the U.S. Cellular Center. It looked like a great experience. Well, that was some legitimate thought of did we somehow oversell because you you they've changed it where you just buy generic session tickets and you can cash them in every one. Hmm. So it's not like, you know, people were buying, you know, if they bought three and say, you know what, we're going to skip the quarterfinals and then we're going to go there. I mean, you, you really don't know. Right. I mean, so that's, it, it led to a – a lot of thought from the Southern Conference, or do we have enough places? Now, they did. It was nearly a sellout for the first thing, and it cleared out pretty quick. When when ETSU lost, it was a Oh, the was second bowl was absolutely uh, empty, it looked like, for it, the second it, semifinal. It, it, uh, it went – Wofford and ETSU by far carried the Pell as far as fan base goes. Right. UNCG would have been third. Furman just – they even though they finally started a little bit home games to buy in, they're just not there. They're not there yet. A little bit more time. Right? I don't know if they need to do that two, three, four years, but they're just not there yet. And then Mercer didn't make the trip really. Oh, they did for the women, but even that's still a sparse crowd. They certainly Sanford didn't even seem like they expected to even win the first game because there was nobody there for that game against. It's unfortunate because they I mean, if they could, and and they probably should have beat um, UNCG. And then who knows, I think the way Furman played the other day, I think Sanford could have beat Furman again, and right. Furman could have been in the championship game today. So Sanford could have been in, yeah. Right. I'm sorry, Sanford could have been in the championship game today. So uh, it was interesting, but the, the fans were incredible. The people were lined up outside. I mean, the race to get a good seat, you know, as soon as they opened the doors was incredible. I think there's a good time lapse of it somewhere. Is second deck general admission or is it all general admission? Uh, other, there's two spots in art behind the benches are wristbanded. Oh, gotcha. And, and so, um, and they change out by what team's playing that area. And directly behind where we would sit on press row is ticketed where somebody buys and pays for that for the whole Which tournament. Basically mid court. Yeah, in the first mid, deck, mid, right? yeah, mid court. Well, baseline, baseline behind me. Right. But basically, that faces the court. The end zones on the lower bowl. The end zones lower bowl and all upper deck is, is first come first serve wow. general mission. So it's a it's a madhouse. Now, generally speaking, what I like about the fans and stuff is if it's your game, generally it's it's accepted that you just kind of sit in the end zones, not in lower level. You never go to lower level if your team ain't playing. It's generally you try to avoid that. Let let those teams have that. It's called festival seating, really. But you let the teams have that. And the midcourt seats upper deck, you generally try to let those fans have it. And then what happens is there's a madhouse because people then – get down and try to do the the same favor for the second team. So it's interesting to see how that works, but it's a little bit of common courtesy that's done. There's obviously a few people that break it, but it it is kind of fun to see that everybody gives other fans courtesy to give them better seating to enjoy their game. And and you can still watch the game in a pretty decent seat. I'm wondering if you want to talk about Bob Hoffman, who Jeff Goodman is reporting is out at Mercer in our next segment, and also maybe about the SoCon final tonight, or if you just want to skip straight to bull predictions. Your show, I'm decided. I'm going to leave it to you. I love Bob. 
Let's talk I, about Bob. And I talked. I talked to Bob at the tournament. Uh, I was sitting with. Um, uh, save it, save it. Let's take a break. Okay, all right. We'll take a break. We'll talk about Bob. Bold predictions outside of this time out here. Word Santa Sidekick. Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new made-to-crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new made-to-crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sanders and the sidekick back with you as ETSU has to play the waiting game. Where are they going to be? What's it going to matter? We'll find out which tournament is going to be probably, let's say, Sunday night. There is a chance you could know ahead of time which tournament they would be in if the uh, and there has been already talks with the NIT, so I think they could have a clue. And here's the other thing. Let's just be honest. The more number one seeds lose that guarantee themselves a trip to the NIT, the more those start dwindling away. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. But it'll probably be late Sunday night. Uh, it would probably be the earliest I think you would know where it is. And you've got to be ready because sometimes some of those games are played on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, so you may know Monday, and you got to immediately Tuesday hit the road, uh, go play a game. So we'll – We'll see how that pans out now. If you play in the CBI, you got to play that quickly. If you're at CIT, they do give a first-round bye. If you're a higher-seeded team and you would think maybe ETSU would qualify as that, but we'll just have to wait and see. There is other sad news in the Southern Conference. I know you're, you're probably me. very sad. So you, Our made, fans are sad, too. I've talked to several. Well, there's not a lot of opponents that you make verbal love to. Usually, it is all blue and gold. The E on the chest is all that matters. But with one man in particular – you have gone out of your way, I'd even say. I'd venture to say that you have made sure everyone else knows this year specifically, as Bob Hoffman did do his, 
I guess, I don't know if it's a retirement tour, but a sailing off into the sunset for Mercer, at least, tour. You could tell. That you love Bob Hoffman. You feel bad for Bob Hoffman. You are sad to see Bob Hoffman go as he has you, parted ways with Mercer. Mercer has parted ways with him. 209 and 165 in 11 seasons with the Bears. You, you just don't – most people don't get – and I don't know all coaches um, – you know, but I do have a lot of interaction with coaches. Now I've gotten to know Bob over the years quite a bit. Uh, emails, some phone calls. I mean, there's, I've talked to Bob quite a bit, yeah. so I, I have had a lot of interaction with him. And so I just can't describe to you. And Steve Forbes has tried to tell people too, when he's not in between the lines, it is a different human being. Great guy. I, I've talked to many people who work at Mercer. Believe it or not, he doesn't cuss. He's like Rick Barnes of Tennessee. They, they, they just the cursing's just not in their nature. Now they wear officials out. Now they've been teed up a lot. Bob clearly wears officials out. It's not because he curses, just because he's just a madman. That's really what it is. And he's just on the court. He flips a switch, turns into that. As soon as the game's over, he immediately calms back down. He goes, and hmm. you know he's had to deal with a couple things. There was a, a, a personal tragedy with his son in a car wreck. There was. You know, one of his players got shot and was killed mid-year and dealing with a couple of things. And they were back-to-back years, and, you know, it's been uh, three of the last four years that that's gone on, and I don't know how that's affected anything. The team hasn't been winning the way it did. And, again, here's the problem. It's the same thing that happened to Phil Fulmer. You win, you know, a championship, and for Mercer it wasn't a national championship like Coach Fulmer, but it was, you know, a win against Duke in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And people throw some money at you. Hey, it's what we're going to do. Well, not sustainable. And the Southern Conference, and I'll say this, that was the last year of Atlantic Sun when they won that. The first year in SoCon, they were probably going to win the league until I think it was Darius Moten broke his arm. And I want to say the quarterfinal game, and Mercer was upset, and it was just devastating because it was one of those things that, hey, we'll lose our guys. It throws you off. I think, you know, the Duke-Carolina game, most people watched that where the shoe got blown out, but it changes things. When you prepare a certain way and something happens mid-game, it's hard to, to adjust. When you have time to adjust, I think teams get a little better. But it's it's sad, I think, for, um, for me. I think it's sad for our fans because, you know, A, they always point out that we beat Bob every time. But the other thing is I think they love to pull against Bob Hoffman. So, sad day for me and Bob Hoffman as Jeff Goodman uh, broke the news, although there were several different people that had had Some would say you broke it about a month ago. You said that Steve Forbes and him hugged at midcourt at Freedom it, Hall. And it, was a, it was a little bit of an awkward. But I, I, knew, I knew he was in trouble when a fan at Mercer stopped me early in the year and was talking about different things. And then he basically told me, if Bob didn't turn this around, we're going to fire him. Wow. And I don't know who the guy was. Never seen him before. He also dropped a bombshell of a Bobby Lamb doesn't win this next year and get them to playoffs. They're going to fire him too. And I'm just and I, I mark just it looked, down because he's one for one. I, I was I was like, why would you? And he goes, well, just like at ETSU football, they've been to the playoffs. We had football one more year. Our stadium was done. And I'm he's rattling off all these things. I'm like, okay, but it's not that easy, guy. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, but sure, okay. So Hoffman's gone. He was there 11 years and. I think he routed off his stats already, but but still, I, I would say he was a successful um, coach there. I mean, he took Mercer to some heights they've never seen before, and so now the search, Jim Cole, the AD, will try to figure out who's going to take over the ship. Any names come to mind offhand that we haven't obviously looked and researched a ton because it just happened? Uh, and do you think Bob coaches they were all 61 years old? Does he have something left? Is there one more stop? It's kind of weird because it's in between, right? If you say three, four more years, that's probably his last job, but – Here's the other thing about Bob. If he's going to be the head coach, he's he's very, very – and, again, people are shocked. He's very, very religious. Okay. And there are a lot of people that thought that because of that it cost him when he was trying to capitalize moving from mm. Mercer to a different one because, you know, it is a uh, religious affiliation with Baptist. He always coached at Southwestern Baptist in Oklahoma. He coached at another Baptist. I think it was in Texas. He was on uh, Texas you know, Pan Am. Is that Baptist? Uh, I don't. No, I think it's state school. I don't think it can be. Uh, but he did a few th- a few other things. Also coached in the G League for a while. He, mm. he was also on Oklahoma's staff. Uh, so th- there was a lot of things. He's either going to be a high level assistant if he wants to be, and, and it wouldn't shock me if he still had the coaching bug that he wouldn't drop down to maybe the division two level mm. uh at a again a baptist type school because he'd rather be a head coach than not a head coach 
and maybe coach uh, several years there before he packs in retirement. Or depending on the buyout and how much he's been saving, you know, he could, he, you know, sixty one year old, he could call it. Do you think there's someone on their staff they look to move up? Or? I, no, my guess, my guess is no. External? It's very tough. Very rare does a guy get fired and somebody on that staff is right. tabbed to, to do it. So my guess is no. My guess is, like most coaches, they'll go a completely different direction of what Bob Hoffman is. Right. Uh, Southern Conference final tonight. Your thoughts. Is there anyone beating Mer- – I like UNCG. I'm on record as saying I think UNCG is the better team than Furman. Me and Kevin Brown, in fact – uh, had a uh, friendly discussion about that yesterday and the days leading up, and I said, I, I think UNCG beats Furman. I think they get back to another final. That did end up happening. I'm not sure I can see UNCG being good enough to beat Wofford with the day that they had. The only way, and I think that this was somewhat the case with the ETSU game as well, uh, simply because Wofford just showed the beast that they can be, unless they catch themselves in the mental state of, well, now we're in. We're in the final. Everyone said... And said, keep in mind, it's just said, the bids haven't been revealed. Joe Lenardi is not someone that's making actual decisions about who gets into the tournament. But Joe Lenardi said that if they won out in the regular season and were ranked and got to the postseason, regardless if they lost in the quarterfinal, they would be in the NCAA tournament. Now they're in the final, so they've got a couple games to spare. Well, he, he's already updated it today, uh, and today's Monday. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're taping this early in the morning here. He's got him as a seven seed versus wow. uh, Arizona State. Wow. So he's already got him as a seven. There's no way they drop from seven out. Right. So could they happen. be caught in that mental state of we've guaranteed ourselves a bid? Could they be bracket peaking? Could they whatever? I mean, yesterday was an incredible display, very impressive. Can't take anything away from them. Is it, there any chance? Here's why I say no, because none of those guys on that team has won a championship. Mm. Mike Young has won a couple championships, but the the seniors that are on there, their freshman year, Chattanooga won it. Their sophomore year, ETSU won it. Their junior year, UNCG won it. They've not won it. I think they will do everything they can, and they're not concerned about the two-bid SOCON League. They're concerned about picking up and doing something that nobody else can take away from you, which is a perfect season. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to do anything – but to come out ready to go. Now, if they don't hit shots, certainly you could see how they could lose uh, to UNCG. Here's the thing. If UNCG can't turn Wofford over, which they've had a hard time doing so far, and Wofford misses shots, UNCG's got a great chance. One by 29 and 30. they got a great chance. But here's why I say sometimes to beat a third team sometimes isn't that that bad. Early on, UNCG can have some uh, energy. They can have some momentum. They can, you know, hang in there, but – Wofford starts knocking down threes. That lead gets to 10 or 12. You could see the, uh-oh, here we go, I think, being a situation um, that comes up and, and honestly can just creep in the back of the mind. And we'll have to see. Alonzo's going to have to hit a lot. I think, I think UNCG is going to have to try to contain the shooters for a Wofford and not give up all those threes early. Uh, and then they're going to have to hit a lot of threes on their own. I think that's the way they win because if it gets to a half-court game, there's not guys who are going to stop Cam Jackson. Right. And, and if they try to double Cam and they go down low, he's kick out and then you've got wide open shots. So uh, it's a very – the only way UNCG is going to get this is an up-tempo, get some turnovers, get some buckets, hope that Miller can, can get some steals and get to the rim, hope that Alonzo hits some three, hope that Troy can hit a few outside shots and Dickey can maybe get a few blocks inside. Dickey gets in foul trouble, that's another – that's against game over as well. I mean, there's it's just not a good matchup. For UNCG. UNCG matches up well with their – you know, again, ETSU, it is a better matchup for ETSU because they match up a little better with them inside. You know, and I know Cam Jackson went 9 for 12, so you may argue with that, but you just look at the results. ETSU has not been beat by 29 and 30. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. So, um, I, I, I think Wofford's going to win, and I think Wofford is going to win probably not by 29 or 30, but my guess is they'll win by double figures and it'll be very comfortable the last couple minutes of the game. 33% and 36% are what UNCG shot in those first two matchups of the year against Wofford. Here's another reason I don't think that Wofford is caught in a mind state that could lead to what I guess you would call an upset, right? I know it's one versus two in terms of seeding, but number 22 in the country, Wofford, and certainly playing like it. This is national TV now, and as much as you have ESPN Plus and you have ESPN3 and you have the quote-unquote family of networks, this is completely different. This is not only linear TV 
on people's television that you can hit the power button and right there without connecting any HDMIs or going to your smart TV or doing anything like that, going to apps, it is right there, and the audience is still so much larger on national TV. It went from ESPN2 last year, correct, and now we're at ESPN1. They actually, the, the year ETSU and UNCG played because it, it was a the first much year? better championship game. The first year? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, the first year, yeah. sorry. Uh, they actually moved it from two to one. Okay. They moved so it, it was to just the mother two last year. And it was ESPN two last gotcha. year, and it was also the nine o'clock game. Yes. Yeah, so now just, we're in the seven o'clock. I mean, yeah. there's much a, better. There's a whole separate argument to be made there. I think. Um, I really like Francis Alonso in terms of the type of player that he is. I think that Kyron Galloway has had a nice breakout year. Isaiah Miller is someone that's going to be very impressive for quite some time. Um, but I don't see how you can make up. 29 points and 30 points they scored 43 and 50 I mean they scored 93 combined points and again if they can keep Wofford down into the 50s and 60s uh I mean it'll be a close game but I also don't think as you mentioned that that is a winnable game because Wofford is a good defensive team um to me the gap is just too large especially if Wofford they're not going to have another game like they did yesterday from the free throw line they're just not you're not going to go seven of 18 or shoot below 50% in general from the line when you're as good of a marksmanship team as they are uh, from the field and, and, and have been as good at the line throughout the year coming into tonight. 24-8 to eight made threes advantage for Wofford in two games. Ridiculous. Triple. Uh, four, uh, four, let's see, UNCG was what, 4 of 13 and then 4 of 19. And then, so let's say they have even a better shooting night. Let's say it's a better shooting night. They make half of those. That's still 15 and 17 point wins. If they yeah. if they may, if they get eight in each of those games, it's still a blowout. So uh, especially after yesterday, the momentum Wofford's carrying in, they seem like a team on a mission. And the chip on the shoulder, quote unquote, you mentioned this yesterday with Steve Forbes. Chattanooga had the chip on the shoulder. ETSU had the chip on the shoulder. UNCG yeah. had the chip on the shoulder. Great those point. last three years, and now you said yesterday, Wofford has the chip on the shoulder after last year ending the way it did, and they certainly look like they know that. All right, we'll step aside. Uh, to what we got? Uh, bold predictions. That's uh, Sandro Sidekick, Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets, high-performance gas ranges, or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com. Member FDIC. Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bry guy, what'd you do? Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Ooh, and did those work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. 
LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, will immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. But it can never be a simple wrong, can it? No. Not going to ridicule. Nope. It cannot be. we got a lot to go over today because I'm just going to go ahead and throw out the long-term bold predictions as well. Not that we know all of them. Um, but we know enough. There's going to be one, I believe, that's left over. Um, yeah, there's going to be one that's left over, but we can, on some later show, as we sporadically do shows throughout the spring or whatever we end up doing, uh, go over that one. Um, you only made one bold yep. prediction. I went for a parlay. Went to yeah. hit it big. Number one so seeds. So I don't do those. Yeah, number – well, you said number one seeds. Yeah, don't win. Right. Now I'm rereading it. Uh, both number one seeds. It would seeds. not be a bold prediction if I said the number <laughs> one seeds. Both won. number one seeds don't win the tournament. And you said the Furman oh, Mercer game was. Unbelievable ending. Furman had a flurry of threes laid, a couple of his free throws by Mercer. Typical uh, Mercer. Would, would have sent it to overtime. Ah. It wouldn't have guaranteed a Furman win. But it it was actually a highly entertaining um, basketball game. There were, there were a lot of lead changes, ties, everything came into it, but ultimately Mercer did what they do, which is survive in advance. 66-63, so they've won 34 in a row now. So it doesn't matter what happens tonight in the Wofford game, for right. my prediction. It doesn't. Uh, and Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumb. That would have been for three points. That would have been for yep. three. Unfortunately, you get none. Went for the gusto. Yeah, came in at 12 of 65, so you dropped to 12 of 67 with that. I'm at 17 of 66. My three predictions – a women's team from the bottom half of the bracket goes on to the Southern Conference Championship game. That did not happen. Wofford, uh, of course, beat. Now, to be fair, and I'll just have some transparency here, we did these predictions on Thursday so and taped them for Friday because Friday was just kind of crazy, whatever. Uh, there was a chance that there would yeah, not Wofford. be a bottom seed yeah. <laughs> when we taped it, but Wofford ended up beating ETSU. So my, my chips were all in on Wofford, and then Wofford ended up getting beat by Mercer, and it didn't work out. Uh, the men would shoot 80-plus percent on the tournament for ETSU from the line, and that did not work out either. I'm not sure if they would have had uh, a million free throws, if it would have been enough to stop Fletcher McGee and Wofford yesterday. They won 18-25 yesterday, but I think the number was 10-17, of 17, wasn't it, on for on Saturday, pardon me, and which yes, is eighteen to twenty-five, seventy-two percent anyway. It wouldn't have gotten eight percent. I'm wrong again. Uh, I did get one though. Jay Sandoz, Bubba Parham, forty-plus point came game. For you, Woo! Said did not matter who it was. I said that someone in the men's tournament would score forty plus. Obviously, people I'm sure were thinking Fletcher McGee. I said no, was, not it limiting was, it to Fletcher McGee. It was McGee. the last forty-point uh, game. Would have been T.J. Cromer two years ago. That is bold, is yeah. it not? It is a yeah. bold prediction. It is a correct bold prediction. So eighteen. Of 69, and indeed, I do feel like... I am the smartest man the smartest alive! Man. You're a genius. But we already knew that. Long-term bold predictions, and I'll just rattle off uh, mine and then yours. I said James Harrison would shoot 65-plus percent from the floor. Now, I feel like I should get some kind of reprieve here because we did not know at the time that Lucas Goussaint would be eligible this okay, year. Okay, okay. Here's what I want to counter with that. Come on. If Harrison would have been at 67%, then Goussaint took over, <laughs> okay. you're, you're taking credit. Fair That's all enough. I'm saying. Fair enough. He ends up at 54%. Still a good senior year for James when he was able to get in the contest, but was bumped down the depth chart when Lucas Goussaint was cleared for eligibility. Uh, EHO, I said two triple-doubles. We've talked about that one a lot throughout the year. She had a she couple where she was close, she like was 31, 8, and 7. She had a couple of like 19, 8, and 6. Unfortunately, though, for me at least, uh, did not get any triple-doubles. I, I think I might double down on that one at some point uh, later in her career because she's got the potential and ability, and she was so close this year. I said UNCG would finish outside the top two. <sighs> Where were they, tied? No, there were two by themselves. Oh, they were? 
Yeah, oh, okay. ETSU and Furman were a game behind him. Trying to make that up. Mm-hmm. So wrong on that, too. That was looking pretty good about midway through the mm-hmm. year. You know, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm pretty safe on that. Over three for me on long-term bowl predictions. For you, you said the women's team would win the regular season and the conference tournament. Of course, things early on didn't go their way, and while they came on strong late, ultimately did not get uh, to the number of wins that they would need. Even, let's take Mercer out of it. They were actually one game out of second. In they fairness. were. But, they were. But not enough for the – I mean, Mercer was just which is a great, Mercer. Which is also a great accomplishment considering how they started. I don't think the year went as we thought it may in terms of, you know, November – to March, so even take Mercer out of it and, and their undefeated season, I think you probably any year have to get to 12, maybe 13 wins to win the conference, and ETSU ended up 8-6 and six, uh, in the regular season, or was it 7-7? Seven and seven? It was 8-6, and six, wasn't it? 8-6. Eight eight and six. Six, yeah. uh, the men, five conference awards for the ETSU men's basketball team. four, wasn't it? <laughs> had four, I think. Davian Williams and all-freshman team, and then Good, Hodges, and Rodriguez. Yeah. For all conference teams, good, I think, was what, third team, and then Hodges and Rodriguez were second team? It was was four. It was four. four. So... Story of I your thought that was a good one, though, too. It was. Sort of like the, the EHO, like right there, yeah. just not enough. Okay. I, I remember fighting you on that one at the time. Like, five, is that really bold? And then you kind of justified it. And as it turns out, it was a bold prediction, and you were ever so close. Uh, and we're still waiting to see the final one uh, in the women's or men's side. As we go into the NCAA tournament, you Somebody said that the Southern Conference gets a win. You have to feel pretty now, good about that right I, now. I do not feel good about Mercer anymore. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I, I thought they get – now, you never know. And it, it depends on what seat. The men's one, though, I'm feeling really good. I mean, especially if they're getting like a 7-10 seven, 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 match. Yes. Oh. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not convinced a lot of these number two teams aren't fraudulent either. They can maybe get a Sweet 16 run in. What do you think of that? Uh, you're not getting any more points for the Sweet 16. Same amount of points It said one tournament game. I'll give you – you know what? For If you get that one right, I will give you four points, and you'll still be one ball prediction short of Attaboy. overtaking me. Attaboy. I like where your head's at. All right, we're going to be back next Monday, all right? Okay. Spring break. We don't know who's going to play what. We'll be breaking down what's going on in the postseason, where the Bucks playing, who are they playing. We'll get as much information as we can. We'll be back next Monday. That'll be the next time we're together. For Sandos and the sidekicks. No bold predictions this week. Nothing going on. We'll just uh, Been fun we'll enjoy the daily spring break, yeah. buddy. Let's go eat a buffet. Fantastic. All right. Don't forget, you can download us SoundCloud, iTunes. Back next week, another edition of Sandos and the Sidekick. Oh, the bucket air. Sports Network. See ya.